0: Well, good morning. As uh, many of us know, over a few months, a number of months, we've been looking at the subject of spiritual gifts. And in the New Testament, there are a number of passages which give us lists of spiritual gifts. And I just wanted to share one of them with you right now, from 1 Corinthians 12, 27 to 28. It says, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. And I don't know if you notice that they're smuggled in among what we might think of as the more spectacular and impressive gifts of the Spirit, things like miracles, healings, and tongues, we find reference to the gift of helping or the gift of helps, And that's what we're exploring together this morning, the spiritual gift of helping others. I want to suggest that there is less written about this gift than any other one. And over the years, Bible students and Bible commentators have either quietly overlooked it, linked it with a wider concept such as service, or have said very little about it. In fact, it could be described as the Cinderella gift of the spiritual gifts. And yet we need to be careful as we downgrade it, for Cinderella did go to the ball, she did marry the handsome prince, and as far as we know, she did live happily ever after. My observation, the spiritual gift of helps, or helping others, has been a lifeline for some. Maybe you feel like this. I've no experience of tongues, miracles, and healings, but I can help. Therefore, I am a part of the body of Christ. I have a gift, I'm included, not excluded, but what exactly is it? I may surprise you when I want to dismiss, first of all, the idea that helps is a synonym for service. Why can I do this so cavalierly and so confidently? I do this because every Christian disciple is called to be a servant. Every Christian leader is called upon to be a servant. Jesus modeled servanthood most dramatically when he slipped off his robe, put a towel around his waist, and washed his disciples' feet, taking on the role of a household slave or a servant. His death on the cross was the supreme act of service. So I want to suggest that servanthood is not a specific gift of the Spirit. Rather, servanthood is the climate or the context or the attitude in which each of the gifts is to be used. Helps is listed as a specific spiritual gift. So what is it? Now, there's one sense in which, as human beings, we've a built-in tendency to want to help. Which parent has not heard their young child ask the question, can I help? Horace discovered paint, felt, tip or crayon over the walls only to be told, but daddy, but mommy, I was helping. So for many people, for most people, helping is a natural tendency and for some of us more than others. Some people have the kind of personality which tends towards helping others. As I headed towards retirement from my job as a pastor, I went on some courses to equip me to be a life and executive coach. And in preparation for one of these, I went through a Myers-Briggs personality assessment. Anybody familiar with Myers-Briggs? Anybody been there, undergone that process? Some of you have. And my type index in Myers-Briggs is the one that these people on the screen have, E-N-F-P. That means I'm an extrovert, I like being around people, I'm intuitive, I'm F for feeling and P for perceiving. Now, I don't know if you know about coaching, but coaching comprises the use of questions and tools to encourage and enable the person being coached to choose options, to make decisions, to deal with blockages in their personal growth. And whatever you do as the coach, The one thing you do not do is make suggestions or prescribe preferred options for the coachee, the person being coached. And when one of the tutors on my course observed me coaching, she pulled me up on trying to be too helpful to the coachee. She said this related to the F, the feeling aspect of my ENFP. I'd got a tendency which was built into my personality to want to help. And my F was causing me to offer helpful suggestions, rather than waiting for the coachee to discover their own next step. And perhaps you're like that, perhaps that's the way you're wired up. Helping is part of your DNA. And generally, that's not a bad thing. A call goes out for volunteers, you're front of the queue. You see a need and you fill it, all well and good. And if you've got a natural bent or tendency to help, then keep helping. But it's not the spiritual gift of helping others. This is a personality trait or a natural talent. And to say again, there's a distinction between spiritual gifting and natural tendencies. We're learning about spiritual gifts. And helps or helping others is listed as one of the spiritual gifts. So what does it mean? Some people see helping as A duty in some aspects of life. We're taught to help others as a duty. In The scouts perhaps, or the guides, or Duke of Edinburgh. I remember as a little boy, as a wolf cub, as they were called in those days, I promised to do my best to help other people at all times. That was a duty. And even Jesus, when he told the story of the Good Samaritan, which we were looking at earlier, said to the person who'd asked the question, Who is my neighbour? He said, go and do likewise. Go and be like the Samaritan, go and help. So helping's a good duty. But what about this? Did you know that helping is good for you? Now there's some scientific research on the internet that suggests helping others is actually good for you. Helping others is a key to happiness. And in one piece of information I found, there are seven scientific benefits of helping others. Helping others can help you live longer. Did you know that? Do you believe that? Perhaps because volunteering alleviates loneliness and enhances social life. Secondly, altruism, doing something with no reward for yourself, is contagious. There's a chain reaction. There's a ripple effect. And you do it, and soon all sorts of people do it. Helping others makes us happy. Helping others may help with chronic pain. I say may help. When Ruth was a community worker in Essex and she tried to help people by carrying wardrobes and settees up flights and flights of stairs, that didn't help her back. That caused chronic pain. Helping others lowers blood pressure. Helping others promotes positive behaviors in teenagers, gets them better grades, improves self-image. Helping others gives us a sense of purpose and satisfaction. That's according to scientific research on the internet, do without what you will. Here's the argument, helping others not only helps others, but is of benefit to the person doing the helping. This, however, can get out of hand. When I went down from Glasgow to London to work for Evangelical Alliance, I discovered that I had a PA, a personal assistant. I never had one of them when I was a town planner. I certainly didn't have one of them as a local church pastor. So when I met my PA, I said to her, what are you here for? I remember her answer very clearly. She said, I am here to make your life as straightforward as possible. In other words, the focus of her help was on the person she was helping, not on herself or her agenda. My next PA was a personal friend with whom I got on very well, and she still is a personal friend. But after she went on a PA course, I discovered the dynamic between us changed. See, she, she had seen the promised land of PA heaven. And then she got upset because I was not helping her to be the kind of PA she'd heard about on the course. Suddenly, I was to help her rather than her to help me. And it raises the important question, who's supporting who here? And there's a danger in helping when the helper can't help but take over. They exceed their remit. They take initiative which is not theirs to take. In other words, the tail sometimes can wag the dog. And if the tail is stilled, resentment and frustration can build up. I guess a biblical example is Martha who resented her helping role while her sister Mary sat at Jesus' feet. I don't know if you've heard this saying, possibly have, it takes more grace than I can tell to play the second fiddle well. Well, actually, not necessarily. If playing the second fiddle is your calling, your function, and your passion, then you'll fall into that slot. Now, when people who look at the Bible as commentators have tried to tease out the characteristics of the spiritual gift of helps, they've done so perhaps in the following way they say people with the gift of helps enjoy and seek out ways to serve behind the scenes backroom boys and girls they rejoice in the success of others they're often detail oriented when others are sort of vision reason away in the blue sky they look for ways to be of assistance to others they don't seek recognition for their own efforts Jesus said in Matthew six, don't help so that others see you or you'll forfeit your reward. Or put it the other way around. Do you enjoy helping others get things done? Are you someone uncomfortable with attention who likes working behind the scenes? Do you prefer to support others rather than lead them? Do you find yourself offering up help when someone is in need? Do you have problems saying no? when someone asks for your help, then it's possible by this reckoning that you have the spiritual gift of help. Acts chapter six tells a story of an issue that arose in the early church. It was a practical issue to do with the distribution of aid to widows who were in need. This led to the allocation of functions. And seven people were set aside to supervise the distribution of aid to the widows. They're described as deacons. Their job was to help the apostles by releasing them to fulfill other functions. And we might ask the question, couldn't this practical job be done by anyone? Why did they need to make such a fuss about selecting them? Well, the person's specification for this role is that they must be full of the spirit and wisdom. Did this imply they must have the spiritual gift of helps or helping others? Sometimes it's asked, can practical jobs in the church be done by anyone? Do you even need to be a Christian to be an IT manager, a treasurer, a cleaner, a musician in the church or a Christian organization? Did you know that by law, churches and Christian agencies need to show there's a genuine occupational requirement for applicants of specific jobs to be practicing Christians in sympathy with the objectives of the organization? But if we follow the bottom line of Acts chapter 6, candidates for any role in the life of the church must be full full of the Spirit and possibly too of wisdom. But does this actually bring us any closer to identifying the spiritual gift of helping others as opposed to the natural tendency to want to help or the sense of duty? That's for you to decide. But as I prepared this message, one day when I was walking my dog, I believe I had a flash of revelation. And I want to share this with you this morning. Cat Lipsy's already been mentioned. She was with us two weeks ago. She was talking to us about hearing from God and she says when you hear something from God, the first thing you receive is raw data and then you try to interpret it with God's help and then you move to application. And the raw data of the revelation that I received when I was mocking my dog was actually something quite simple and straightforward and it's this. Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the helper the helper. In the passage that uh, Mike read to us from the NIV, it talks about another advocate to help you, but in the New King James Version, in the New American Standard Version, and in other versions of the scripture, the word is helper. The Holy Spirit is helper. That was the revelation, the raw data that I received. That's the Holy Spirit's role, or one of his roles. We've already been thinking in the autumn about the Holy Spirit's role in helping us be more like Jesus by the fruit that he provides us with and produces within us to come outside. He also has the job of giving us uh, spiritual gifts, he also has the job of empowering us, but he also has the job of being a helper. <laughs> Now, the underlying Greek word is Parakletos, which sometimes appears in older hymns as paraclete. I, I never sang this hymn, but I found it on the internet. It says this, O Lord, thou art our paraclete, our comforter indeed, our patron with our God above, the advocate we need. Thou art our counsel of defense, the pleader of our case, our interceder for all things. And wait for it, our helper in all ways. And the concept of paracletos or paraclete moved over into the English from the Greek language is one who comes alongside to help. The paraclete comes alongside us to help us live the Christian life, assures us that we're not alone. We're actually part of a body. We are not lone rangers as Christians. He stands alongside us like an advocate in a court case. One who will speak on our behalf, who will present our case. One who will defend us from false accusations. One who intercedes on our behalf and actually helps us in our praying when we can't find the words to say, Romans 8, 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. There's another function of the Holy Spirit mentioned in John 14, 26. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The Holy Spirit helps us by reminding us of the teaching of Jesus. In John 16, some other functions of the helper are revealed. But very truly, I tell you, it's for your good I'm going away. Unless I go away... I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He won't speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears and he will tell you what's yet to come. He will glorify me because it's from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. That's an exploration of the raw data of that revelation that I believe I received when I was walking the dog. The Holy Spirit is the helper. So Kath taught us that after the raw data of revelation comes interpretation. We ask the question, what does it mean? If the Holy Spirit is the helper and that's all the things he does, and the Holy Spirit gives a gift of helps, What does that mean for us? How do we see the gift? And the question that I ask in interpretation, and it's open to uh, discussion, it's open to questioning, it's open to disagree with me, because this is the interpretation that I had of that revelation which God gave me and which is in Scripture, and nobody can argue against. The Holy Spirit is the helper. Could the person with the spiritual gift of helps be one who mirrors these functions of the Holy Spirit as helper in the life of another person? In 1 Corinthians 12, the word translated helps can be more fully expressed as lends a helping hand. In other words, the interpretation is that the gift of helps is about helping another person to stand firm in the Christian life by encouraging them to realize they're not in this alone, by reminding them of the teaching of Jesus, by encouraging them in the area of intercession, praying together with them, not just for them, by asking questions which touch on areas of sin and righteousness and judgment, not in a judgmental or condemnatory way, but as an accountability partner. How are you getting on in the area of resisting the temptation to whatever? I don't know if you've seen that house up in St. Leonard's Close, which was once occupied by Richard Baxter. Richard Baxter, a pastor many years ago, found Bridgenorth to be too hard and he went to uh, Kidderminster where he found it a lot easier. It was maybe to do with the carpets, I'm not sure, but he found it was easier to minister in Kidderminster than in Bridgenorth. He, as a pastor, used to go around all of his congregation asking those kind of questions. How are you getting on in the area of resisting the, tem- resisting the temptation to this, that, and the other? Well, that's the raw data. The Holy Spirit is helper. We've been looking at interpretation. How does this relate to the gift of helps? Understood this way: helps is no cinderella, helps has a place at the ball. But what about application? We got the revelation: the Holy Spirit is helper. We've got the interpretation which says then somebody with the gift of helps, the spiritual gift of helps, operates like the Holy Spirit in getting alongside another believer and helping them in these various areas, not least in the area of accountability, but also in the area of encouragement, keeping that person on track. Application, this is the hardest is it? Three things as we move to the end of this talk this morning. Can you identify someone who's been your helper and who's been expressing the spiritual gift? If so, thank them. If so, speak to them about it. Encourage them and say, I believe you've got the spiritual gift of helps because it's ministered into my life. What about you personally? Has God put a desire in your hearts to help other people in this way? You think as I've been going through the characteristics of the spiritual gift of helps which mirror or imitate those of the Holy Spirit to each one of us. You think, I could do that. That's me. I've got a passion for that. I'm called to get alongside somebody as an individual and to minister into their life, to encourage them, to help them on their journey. And with their permission, actually to call them to account in various ways. If God's put that desire in your heart then ask someone to pray with you for the opportunities to use this gift and for this gift to be affirmed. And then specifically, but not exclusively addressed to leadership, can we identify those who appear to have this gift within our fellowship and encourage them to operate in it? to operate in it, and can we encourage, enable, and release them to use it for the building up of the body? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you the Holy Spirit is the helper. We thank you that the Holy Spirit gives gifts so that the body might function appropriately and well for your glory. And uh, we just thank you, Father, for that scripture that said that to us this morning. The Holy Spirit is the helper. And if indeed the spiritual gift of helps is to be like the Holy Spirit in helping in those ways of encouragement, of pointing people to Jesus, of getting alongside, of helping people not to feel downcast, not to feel defeated, uh, and also of holding people to account in terms of their personal life and uh, lifestyle and witness. We pray, our Father, that you will speak to those who you've given this gift to this morning, that you'll help them to recognise the gift. You'll help them to find ways of having that gift affirmed. will you help us as leaders in the church here to identify those to whom you've given this particular gift, which is not a Cinderella gift, which is an important gift, which is a vital gift to building up the body of Christ. Help us to recognize those people, to encourage them, to enable them further, and to release them to do the work that you've gifted them and called them to do. For I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.